A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello, friends, and welcome to A Little More Good the podcast where myself, Dean Morris, or Deaner, and my good pal, Zach Berman of The Juice Truck, explore themes that light us up. Things like human potential, coexisting with our planet and its inhabitants, and the fascinating area where wellness, mindfulness, sustainability, movement, business, and our own evolution and adventure intersect. A Little More Good is inspired by community and our collective potential. It is inspired by those that have walked this path before us, both locally and globally. Our mission is to connect intentionally and genuinely with the goal of planting seeds that foster growth and help us all discover the fullness of our own human potential. So join us as we have fun and meaningful conversations centering on human stories that inspire us to get out and live full, healthy, and meaningful lives. Our intention is to create dialogue that is not only interesting to listen to, but inspires you to take what you've learned through the conversation and apply it to your own life in a meaningful way. So let's get to it, and together we can create a little more good. All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of A Little More Good. Today on the pod, we've got the amazing Emma Andrews, dropping all knowledge she has, which is a lot, on all things cannabis. This is your Cannabis 101. All the questions that you've had that you weren't sure about, we try to get to most of them. Um, Just a disclaimer though, this episode is about cannabis, so uh, make sure if you're interested in consuming cannabis that you are of legal age in um, the province or state or country that you're listening to this in. Um, yeah, um, I'm sure you'll have questions and we might have a little uh, Q&A with Emma on our Instagram. So uh, shoot us any DMs and we'll make sure that uh, we have any follow-ups uh, that you might be interested in covered there. That's right. And you can always follow her on Instagram at Emma Runs Van as well to be able to uh, message her and just see what uh, she's up to in the world. So without any further ado, we give you Emma Andrews. All right, uh, we are here with Emma Andrews. Uh, no relation to, uh, nothing to do with sound music over here, right? No, although that is one of my like loved movies from childhood for sure. Yeah, so Funny good. you brought that up. So good, so no, no sound music, but uh, Emma is a um, expert in uh, cannabis research, uh, product development, um, nutritionist, um, educator, uh, plant-based chef. Um, you know, there's a lot of channels. <laughs> I was looking at your about on your website. Before, oh, like, you went deep. Damn, Emma's got a lot of training and a lot of things. Love so, it. Uh, some agricultural background, background as well. Yeah. So, um, you know, a, a Jill of many trades. Runner. Runner, obviously, because <laughs> we can't do a podcast without talking, without talking about it. <laughs> uh, so welcome, thank you for coming down to Sunny Houston. 
Um, we're already pitching Emma on moving to Houston as well. Right. The guys have made a commission already <laughs> on right. my real estate migration. <laughs> we just want to collect all the best people and like get them get them living here right? yeah. and like, kind of create our own little blue zone. Yeah, little commune out here in Houston. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> all right. Tough stuff. <laughs> and it's really sunny today, and it's sunny like this every day in Steve's That's right. So, you know, rain's not a problem out here. Um, so, yeah, thank you for coming to join us. Um, <laughs> we have so many questions for you about nutrition, about cannabis. Um, obviously, you know, it's such an exciting uh, industry and, um, you know, place in the, in the, in the wellness world um, because it's, you know, it went from being the wild, wild west to to something that's been legalized and, um, you know, growing research and, and growing development. Um, there's just, I feel like, so much to be excited. So we're, we're uh, looking forward to unpacking all of our millions of questions with you. Amazing. There's so much we can talk about, too. So I feel like we're just going to touch the tip of the iceberg today. Yeah. So maybe this will be V1, yes, volume one. Probably. <laughs> probably. Yeah. So just, you know, we don't have to go, like, too deep into, to, you know, growing up. Uh, and all of that, but we would like to un unpack a little bit of, you know, who you are and, and uh, where you came from. Um, so you grew up in Alberta, correct? I did, small town girl. So I grew up on a cattle farm, which is ironic because I went through a period of being vegan. I'm now vegetarian, but being a plant-based enthusiast seems so a stark contrast to where I came from. Yes. Um, but it was a sustainable farm operation, and so it really bred within me a love for the land, where our food comes from, our supply chain, and really quality, right, in what we put on our body and how our food is made. Yeah, and, and were you... Uh, growing up in Alberta, like, were you into sports growing up? Were you into cannabis growing up? Like, what was your what was your adolescence like? Yes, I am a lifetime cannabis consumer. Nice. I had a very unfortunate first experience, so I find it ironic that I've gotten back into it and in the depth to which I have, making yeah. it my career, my whole passion, right. how I found my husband, everything. <laughs> so definitely got into um, cannabis consumption at a young age, but I think that was, you know, just due to the rebellious nature of being a teenager and having really strict parents and... Yeah. And wanting to rebel um, but it really called to me because it was a form of connection and I think a lot of people can relate to that as cannabis is a connector and anywhere you go in the world you smell that waft or you see someone enjoying and it's almost always non-pandemic times an open invite for conversation and to connect so right. I really um, enjoyed it during my adolescence for that reason and later in life it's come to serve me in so many other ways but connection for sure was that initial draw yeah what was that first experience? <laughs> I mean, like so many others probably listening to this podcast, but I was at a high school party. My parents didn't even know I was there. Yeah. So when I had cannabis, the paranoia was overwhelming. Like I remember feeling so sick and nauseous. I thought my dad was just going to burst in and like kill me. I don't know. You know, yeah. like the world was going to end. It was yeah. so bad. And so I'm surprised that I wanted to try again. But I think there's something alluring about this plant and those I think that get quite into it know that it, it's it's almost like it's calling you and I know that sounds a little esoteric but there's something very um, beautiful about this plant it's more than just botany like mm. there's a really kind of emotional draw or pull to the experience of, of consuming cannabis well there's a lot of like you know pop culture and, and history around uh, cannabis and marijuana um, can you I don't know if this is in the realm of expertise but can you like speak to the history of its use at all? So much of it is about a power struggle, and yeah. I think that's an important thing to recognize, is the suppression of cannabis wasn't about 
uh, risk is that it was about control. And so where we are now is in an age of legalization where that power struggle and that control dynamic um, pervades us migrating into a legal economy. So as an example, it's really hard for marginalized um, groups who are unequally targeted with cannabis offenses to find their foothold in the legal cannabis economy. So we're doing a lot of reconciliation mm -hmm. for trauma that has happened in the past because of that, that control and power struggle. Um, the biggest thing I think that we're now starting to embrace is that cannabis is a therapeutic substance yeah. and to remember like why cannabis was cultivated 10,000 years ago right. was because it was offering medicinal benefit. Um, even, you know, as quote unquote recently, Queen Elizabeth used to use cannabis as a form of um, therapeutic relief during her menstrual period. So there's yeah. a lot of great anecdotes of really... Crazy. What, what do you want to say, reputable individuals throughout history who were called to this plant. So yeah. again, the power struggle and the control and the political nature of its more recent past is, I think, a, a huge shame because of obviously the, the medicinal and therapeutic benefit of the plant. But right. um, yeah, with, with the reduction in stigma, I think that's where the narrative and that's where the opportunities will continue to thrive. Well, I think that's what drew, um, what you said there is cannabis is a wellness product. I think that's what drew me back to cannabis, like, you know, using it quite a bit in high school and after, um, you know, recreationally, like, more um, in, like, the, you know, stereotypical, like, kind of, like, stoner culture mm -hmm. or, like, you know, just parties and all of that. Um, I kind of stopped using it for probably a decade um, after that. Um, but once it was legalized, I was just like, for whatever reason, like I, I hadn't gone into any of the, the cannabis shops in Vancouver, all of a sudden legalized, and that kind of sparked my curiosity. And it was more from a point of, you know, wellness, uh, healing, like um, inflammation, sleep, like then, you know, as a substance to use recreationally. Yeah. Uh, I was more to um, wanting to explore it as a, you know, as a food or um, as a medicine to, you know, better my, my wellness, yeah. better my sleep, better my... Just memory. like a supplement, right? Just as I would take anything else that I... Yeah, know, like a superfood. Superfood, right? Yeah. Um, and so that was, like, my point of interest to getting back into it. And now, you know, as everyone's coming out of the cannabis closet, you know, like, um, I'm hearing more and more athletes and runners and, uh, you know people that I look up to that use it for their wellness practice versus totally. recreationally. Yeah. Well, I think, too, when it was illicit, a lot of the products that we were consuming was flour, and so we were smoking it, we were combusting it. Yeah. So it's obvious that that stigma around health and wellness wouldn't be, or would be there because it was combustible form of consumption, right? And it just doesn't go hand in hand. And Dean, you were saying you have asthma, and so yeah. you'd really avoided it for a long time because it just seemed to stand in such stark contrast to right. a health condition, a, a chronic health condition totally. you had. And even like for now, like outgrowing that asthma, like it doesn't, it's not something I deal with anymore, but still having that, like, I don't, I've never smoked. Yeah. And so the idea of like, even if there was a benefit yeah. to me, and it could be misinformed, but to me, the benefit is like kind of kiboshed by the fact that you're like smoking, which is, has its own like risks associated yeah. with it, right? Yeah. So for me, I was like, well, it's not something I'm going to start doing because yeah. I don't see that as necessarily benefiting me. Yeah. But then with the new, like more recent developments of other ways to like yeah. consume or take that in, whether it's topical or whatever, yeah. um, now that's like, oh, okay, well, there, that's a different way that it seems more like it's geared towards well. Approachable, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Let's myth bust for a sec, though, okay, because... Yeah, yeah. 
with lung disease, I think that's one of the common um, considerations for choosing the right method of consumption or why people might veer away from smokable. Um, there's a 30-year study that was actually not allowed to be published in the U.S., so the researcher took it elsewhere to publish um, that proved no correlation from cannabis consumption with lung disease. Really? One of the reasons being is the cilia in your um, respiratory system regenerates constantly. So you are stressing it by smoking something combustible that has carcinogenic. You are putting the body at greater risk because it has to work harder and repair, mm -hmm. but it's not necessarily correlative to lung disease. Interesting. So there is a lot of stigma. I would definitely recommend other forms of consumption if you are an athlete overall because you're already stressing your body, um, but it's not necessarily the... The, it doesn't deserve the reputation we've given. There's not a smoking gun of like... Yes, bad you're product. going to get yeah. this if you do that. It's right, not right. necessarily correlative. Yeah, and so. in, some, in some ways, right, like even like you said, running mm -hmm. or some sort of physical exertion activity is stressing the body. Yeah. And we see that as a good thing. Complementary stress. Right. Yeah. Like it's helpful. That yeah. actually helps us to grow, right? Yeah. And so in some ways that could be... Yeah. Yeah. And, and if you have a product that's you know, a plant and pure and not like a Marlboro cigarette yeah. that's full of who knows what or all these other things, right? Yeah. It's like a way better thing yeah. to consume, right? Yeah. Like, like classic uh, Ben Harper, like if it's from the earth, it's of greatest ah. earth before you knock a try. You guys will love this, but you, I'm sure, a little sidebar, my, um, the lullaby song that I play, play for my daughter is, is Burn, Burn One, One Down. Down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Always, totally, but, but it, it has the right vibe. It's such you a know. Good little song. I know. I know. Did she fall asleep yet? It was the one I used to play when she was in the womb because I just like needed that vibe, you know, and it yeah. put me in the right headspace. And so we still listen to it, but we've moved on to other yeah. nursery rhymes. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. yeah. Like <laughs> we just need a jumbe in her room. We'll be right there. Yeah. Yeah. That's helpful though because for me there would have been that. That association yeah. of of a correlation yeah. that doing like consuming it this way, yeah. smoking or whatever combustible uh, use would lead to for sure a heightened risk. Yeah. So there's some other considerations too. I know we'll get a lot deeper into the athletics and cannabis crossover, but a just quick little anecdote. I still personally prefer. Um, to have a joint or to smoke out of my bong before I go on a run. And the reason being is the onset time. It's so quick. Mm. And the potency that you're able to um, inhale through those methods of consumption, it, del it delivers more efficacy. So depending on how uh, strong of an experience you want, your tolerance level, your comfort, um, all of those things might kind of direct you into one method of consumption over another. But then there's just that pure personal preference on top of it. So, mm, yeah. Um, can we poke holes in a couple more Let's do it. Like myths or stereotypes yeah. before we kind of get into the nitty gritty? Totally. Um, so can you talk about, because I think with like, um, you know, our generation younger, you know, very fluid and open to trying things, and then you've got like, you know, maybe our parents' generation that, you know, grew up in the 70s, so they're also more open to, you know, flower power and all of that. Um, but there are generations between those two, younger or older, that are like, you know, the war on drugs, mm -hmm. um, you know, if you smoke weed, you're, you know, stoner dropout, kind of like... So much propaganda. So much propaganda. Yeah. Um, so how do you start to, like, retell the story? I, I've noticed your use of, you know, cannabis over marijuana or weed. Mm -hmm. um, how do you yeah. kind of destigmatize that... Um, image of you know the stoner yeah. to like 
know, to we, any demographic, to really. Any demographic, yeah. yeah, yeah. Language is clutch. I'm actually really glad that you brought that up. It's something I'm super passionate about. Cannabis versus marijuana is one of the most basic, and I think is is caught on as kind of the uh, normative way to say it. Another great one is instead of saying the black market, saying the illicit or the legacy market. And there again is a great example of the power and um, politicism that's happened in the past for uh, for cannabis and how that's perpetuated into the mainstream narrative. But language is a big one. And then if you are someone that's really interested, consider taking a workshop or going to an event or getting a bit more education in it. For me, that's really what helped me come out of the closet, if you will. Yeah. Um, talk about it publicly and openly. My mom is a health nurse. Um, my Nana's 90, who has now tried cannabis herself because of nice. my openness to talk about it. But I only felt that way personally, having that education and that uh, integrity to what I was saying. So if you feel like you need a bit of credibility to the message that you're sharing, then consider getting a bit of education. And there's lots of um, non-professional courses that you can take um, to advance your knowledge and even professional courses that you can now yes. take. So, yeah. you, you went to Cannabis College. I did. Yeah. And I have to put, I put a little asterisk because the name, I'm sure people will hear it and say, well, that sounds a little stonery. Because <laughs> it was called Oaksterdam. Yes. <laughs> and this was, so this was 2018, if I'm recalling correctly. And what's wild is in the last two years, tons of other programs have come up. So when I yeah. chose that program, there was not a lot out there. Yeah. It's the longest standing cannabis certification program offered in the U.S. So I went down to... Um, the Bay Area with a colleague of mine, and that was right when cannabis was recreationally legalized in California as right. well. So it was a really pivotal time. It was January that we went. So the classmates that we had to, it was really interesting. A lot of people wanting to pivot their careers, create entrepreneurship opportunities, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and really blow up the space. So it was a very dynamic group, gained so much knowledge. It was an intensive um, they called it an advanced certification. So we literally studied everything from cultivation through to the legalities and dispensary operations, you name it. Um, at the time, I was working with my very first cannabis client, so I was really hungry for that knowledge so that I could do my job best. And now that's all I do is work with cannabis companies. So it was very pivotal in me educating, having those conversations with family and friends, and then also getting my career uh, to where it is. Cool. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. So interesting. I think it says so much too, right? It just in the last two or three years that you talked about before, like the stigma and how government would kind of label um, cannabis, you know, using as this like really demonized thing in our society. Yeah. And yeah. the war on drugs was huge in, in, for sure, in Canada, but also in America. Like it was this yeah. big language that was used. Yeah. And then to have governments start to flip that and yeah. say, okay, we're going to move from having it as like an illegal or illicit substance to something that is like we're going to regulate and have. Yeah. There's almost like within that is an acknowledgement that it's something that's not just uh, what was portrayed as like the stoner yeah. culture. like That it's possible to have responsible consumption. Right. That the government actually believed perhaps we could create a framework in which yeah. you can enjoy the substance responsibly. We can benefit economically from it. Yeah. Win-win. Win-win. And yeah. it's interesting when you when you look at like, obviously there were times of prohibition when it came to alcohol, mm-hmm. but not in the last, like not in recent memory in the majority of the yeah. Western world. And, you know, you can look at the detrimental effects that alcohol has on people's health and wellness Mm -hmm. and family circles and patterns of even like abuse and things like this that's linked to people consuming it and it's available everywhere like in the states at corner stores and stuff and then cannabis which is maybe more of a has a more of like a relaxing effect 
and leads, I think, in my experience and kind of just like anecdotal yeah. observations, like leads to way less carnage in the world. Yeah. Was this like forbidden product, and yet alcohol is available? Everywhere. Plain and simple, you cannot overdose from cannabis. You will not die of a cannabis overdose. I should reframe that. You cannot die of an, a cannabis overdose. Right. And we know how many people in our circles have had negative and long-term health effects from overdosing on alcohol, of or yeah, even worse, obviously, whether it's drunk driving or impaired. Yeah. Right. Um, I really feel like the dichotomy. I don't know if that's the right word between alcohol and cannabis is obviously so unfair. In my work, we do a lot of marketing and campaigns and create awareness around the brands, the cannabis brands that I work with, and the promotional prohibitions that are placed on cannabis are night and day different to alcohol. You can see billboards, you can sponsor sporting events. Yes. Like It's obscene, it's the crazy. leniency in alcohol compared to cannabis. Yeah. I can take my daughter into a liquor store as an example, but I can't take her into yes. a cannabis store. I tried. Uh, I was picking up something for my brother-in-law for Christmas, and I had uh, yeah. my son. No go. And like, one, no go, and two people were like, like shaming me. No. And, uh, you know, like I can walk into a liquor yeah. store anytime. Yeah. And no problem. Isn't it bizarre? Yeah. There's yeah. a long, that's the no, norm, normalization. I was going to say normalcy, but that's the normalization that still has to yeah. change, I think, for, for sure. sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think, like, that would be the same as, like, I would feel, well, when we went into Hobo this summer with some friends, it was like, you almost, like, feel like you should, like, check over your shoulder. Because, like, who's going who's gonna to see me go in? And yeah. It's like, but it's, like, no different. It's the yeah. exact same conversation I had with myself. I was like, it's no different than going into a liquor store. Yeah. Like, but yet we have this. It's so ingrained. We have great. that in the back of our mind. Yeah, because it's been yeah. for so long, right? And, like, we yeah. grew up, I don't know if you guys had the same experience, but, like, in school you have, like, the guest, you know, class guys come in, and it's, like, the, the whole kind of, like, pep rally in elementary school or yes. like high school. But, like, <laughs> you know, say no to drugs. And, like, yeah. you think it's just this. And, and I understand that. And, like, as someone who works in, in school systems and, like, that we can talk about youth and the culture and, like, exposing youth and stuff and, and yeah. the risks that there are are with that, right, for sure. Yeah. And just, like, anything, it should be, um, it's, like, an adult kind of uh, decision to participate. But, like, yeah. you, you get these whole campaigns and it was, like, the scare tactic. Yeah. And there was no, like, I It's like sex. Like, abstinence is the only no option. <laughs> I never knew. There's no until, other narrative. Yeah, until very recently that it's like, it could be used for, like, health. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, wait, what? Like, what's yeah. medicinal marijuana? When that started coming out, and then, like, topical, and, like, in aiding in recovery. Yeah. There's this whole world that yeah. was, like, never talked about. Yeah. It was just demonized. Sleep, anxiety, um, anxiety and stress, and then um, pain are the three main reasons that anyone really would be drawn to cannabis for a therapeutic use. So for anyone listening, if you're struggling with one of those three, that's usually the entry point for a more kind of health and wellness focused um, outcome of cannabis. Yeah, which I'm sure, you know, as runners, we struggle with pain. Yeah. We struggle with performance anxiety on race day. And yeah. then we struggle with sleep if we uh, aren't obviously recovering very well, if we've done a long run and... Um, yeah, maybe the body's like too, too many aches and pains and sleep is where true regeneration happens, right? If we want to rebound and do it all again the next day, we've got to get that deep sleep. So right. well, yeah. even as a parent, like, like I said, like legalization kind of had that decade that I kind of stopped using cannabis. Um, but when I had my first son, Finn, you know, he wasn't the best sleeper, like we were talking about before mm -hmm. we went on, on the podcast here. So I'd often get up and I'd rock him and then he'd be like two or 3 a.m. and I'd be like wide awake when yes. I sleep. So I actually got a vape at this point and I would like, you know, 
have a couple. Yes. Couple. This is literally I what know. I did too. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I would yeah. Say like chokes or hits of the yeah. But maybe there's yeah a hit. That's totally fine. No, totally. Uh, yeah. And then I fall back to sleep, no problem. So I like yeah. used it very strategically. I wasn't like even using it socially. I was just yeah. using it because I needed to sleep. Yeah. Because I was like a wreck at work. Um, if I didn't, if I couldn't fall back to sleep after that. Yeah. Um, that's honestly how one of the reasons, or not one of the reasons, one of the ways that I was consuming again in that early postpartum period was that exact scenario. So, yeah. yeah. We can dabble there now or dabble there okay. later, but yeah. So, yeah, we, 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 back, I mean, we really want to get into the athletics. Yeah. Space, but let's talk about parenting for a little sure. bit. Sure. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, we'll, we're, we're young parents, you're a you're young mom. Um, where does cannabis fit in, in the parenting picture? I'm laughing because it's such a loaded question. Like, <laughs> no, right? how do I even, where do I, yeah. which entry point? Like, I, yeah. guess, I guess if you could talk about, talk on like use as a parent and yeah. also like safe practices, like obviously totally. like, don't leave it out for your, you know, it, it looks like we, we can talk about like, you know, gummies versus, you know, flour and whatnot. Yeah. Like yeah. gummies, kids love gummies. Yeah. Well, so, there's a good reason to buy uh, licit, not yes. illicit product, right? Is it will be childproof, child resistant. So right. that's part of the reason to choose regulated compliant product so okay. that there is no yeah. risk of that. No, but like in a Ziploc. Yes, totally. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and then where do you put your stash? Is it up high? Is it down low? Like yeah. some of those common sense things. Yeah. But, totally. yeah. Um, for the parenting side of things, I'd love to just kind of give the example of how I approached it because it is such a unique uh relationship cannabis and parenting and there's there is research but the the caution that I give is they ethically can't approve a lot of research with pregnant women and consumption of cannabis so a lot of it is after the fact retrospective so I can give my examples I can give what research is available and everyone does have to make their own decision for what's Right. right for them so there's no prescriptive approach obviously, yeah. right? It's cannabis. Um, treat, prevent, cure. We're not going to dance in those territories. Yeah. <laughs> um, so for me, I was going through infertility. We went through IVF to gratefully have our daughter. And so there was a lot of mental health challenges correlated to that. Yeah. I'd already been consuming cannabis, but that was actually when cannabis really shifted to be a very therapeutic um, form of, of self-medicating. So know that it can be a recreational substance. You can buy it at a recreational dispensary, but you can still use it as a form of self-medication or harm reduction. So cannabis for me really helped me to get out of depression, deep anger, and some really dark moments for me. I'm not saying it was the, the be-all and end-all. There's a lot of other tactics I used, like therapy, um, but it really helped me to separate from the intensity of the emotions. So there's that component, the trying to conceive, The one caveat I will say is that there is emerging uh, research correlating cannabis consumption and infertility. It's not um, to say that's going to be everyone's picture, but just be aware if you are a high-tolerance consumer um, that you may want to just be cognizant of how long it may take to become pregnant and what route that may take for you. That wasn't our scenario, um, but I just want to put that disclaimer out there as well too, so keep in mind your consumption at um, during those fertile years. During pregnancy, for me personally, I didn't consume any THC. Um, I decided personally that I didn't want any intoxication. Um, I really cut back on caffeine even. So for me, it was really just wanting to be as clean as possible. I put that in air quotes because, you know, in the health and wellness world, that's such a contrived term. But I just didn't want a lot of um, 
added things in my body and even cut down on herbs and things too. So that, that being said, I did have some CBD to, to see how that abated with nausea. Um, a massive benefit in terms of, um, as an example, for those uh, going through cancer and chemotherapy, when they need to uh, quell nausea, cannabis is often prescribed for that reason. So I was really interested in trying it for um, morning sickness. Personally, it wasn't any more or less effective than having a bath or sleeping. So again, it's a tool in your toolkit, but it's not the be-all and end-all fix-it. Um, I, I personally didn't have withdrawal symptoms when I changed uh, my habits after consuming daily to not consuming at all. But what I found was really a need to change your routine because mm. you build up these dependencies in your routine. And I'm sure anyone can relate. Half the time if you, you, know, you, you go dry for a month and you cut your beer, you just crave like popping that can at the end of the day and it just kind of segues you from the day to the night so I found I had to like pour a bath I had to like light a candle instead of lighting a joint like I had to create different routines in my mind Um, so that's just addressing kind of the addiction dependency piece for me personally I didn't find that withdrawal Mm. again stayed away from THC as an intoxicating compound Um, one thing I will again give a little caveat there's lots of disclaimers in this but um, CBD has this reputation as being non-intoxicating which is true, but CBD is psychoactive. So what that means is it can still boost your mood. It could still reduce anxiety, even though you're not impaired. So have that in your mind. If someone's thinking about, you know, might I consume cannabis while pregnant? It does still have a psychoactive benefit, which means something's happening biochemically. So know that it's an additional substance you're taking into your body that is affecting the way your body works whether that's, you know, positive or a negative for anything that you take in. Um, So I did try CBD a little bit. It wasn't something that I relied on. Um, Once I got into the postpartum phase, that's where cannabis really came back for me. A, because I felt personally a higher degree of safety in consuming once Maven was out of my body. We weren't sharing every single cell and (laughs) waking moment together. Um, But then also hormonally, it's such a massive shift. We were talking about this earlier, Zach, right? The transition or the metamorphosis you go through as a parent from you know a single person into a parent is dramatic and so I found it helped me sleep better at night I found it helped me um, manage the hormones and when I say manage it's not um, it's more just my relationship I guess to the hormones I felt like I wasn't they weren't controlling me as much so that's just a a personal anecdote Um, and then pain wise too I mean you have a lot of aches and pains as a new parent lifting a new baby even though it's not in your body anymore and so I found that it was really helpful um, to unwind in the evening and just make sure that I felt really relaxed um, for sleep so a lot of different kind of veins and ways that my relationship changed during the experience but it definitely has played a role throughout every aspect of becoming a parent and and no concerns with uh, nursing an infant and uh, you know taking uh, Thank you for bringing it up. Yeah, I just like avoided the breastfeeding one, but that is a huge one. Yeah, yeah. so with breastfeeding, um, we naturally produce cannabinoids in our body. So the first piece to think about is when you take in cannabis, you are consuming cannabinoids. So that's the active compound. Your body can make it or you can, uh, you can take them in externally. So it's a substance that your body recognizes, produces, and innately is delivering through breast milk to your baby already. So first thing is to take away the fear or the stigma about cannabinoids. They are naturally present in breast milk. So that's one piece. Um, The other piece is I did do a ton of research. The um, exchange of cannabinoids from your bloodstream into breast milk isn't 100%. Um, The intoxication isn't uh, present for the child. 
But there, of course, might be cannabinoids that are coming from those supplemental sources that are going into the baby. Mm. So that's where I leave it to each individual for their decision-making criteria if the, the benefits outweigh the risks for that individual. Um, the research, again, is retrospective, not in situation. And so, the again, the other disclaimer that I'll give on this piece, and this is what allowed me to find my comfort, is they would not be able to isolate uh, cannabis and outcomes from other socioeconomic factors. So what I mean by that is how, how can we pinpoint that cannabis might have had XYZ result when you can't isolate it from you know, how the child was loved and nurtured, the types of uh, childcare environments they went to, the types of sporting activities they did, the school they went to, the teachers, the coaches, the whoever was part of that childhood development. So the, the correlation to me is not clear, which gave me comfort in exploring my own approach, my own options. And as I progressed in my consumption, I felt safe. I felt... Um, confident and yeah I would just encourage everyone to come at it with that open mind because I don't think it's a a black and white um, decision right right? there's like there is all these kind of intricacies to it to the research to the science and then your own personal lens so yeah it's a delicate one it is a delicate one and I encourage if there's any moms out there like I'm more than happy to dialogue through direct message so like Emma runs van on social and I, I legitimately mean that that's the safest place I think for a lot of people is to have a one-to-one discussion on some of those right. nuances Very yeah cool. that's yeah. really good yeah and it's interesting too you can just think not to always just make the comparisons um but like to think there's the stigma around you know alcohol and pregnancy mm-hmm. because there's been so many studies and yep. we know like how it can directly affect fetal development and all this yeah FAS and yep. it's, it's it's tragic to see like the the impacts but then even still, like, I know there's some people who are like, oh, a, a glass of wine or whatever, like, won't hurt. It's like, it's not that bad. Yeah. And so they can justify it. And it's so interesting, like, hearing you speak about that, there's maybe people who are like, oh, I don't know how I feel about, like, the introduction of, like, cannabis and using that, like, yeah. in and around breastfeeding or even during pregnancy. Yeah. People choose that. Yeah. But then there are, like, we know, we know the information about alcohol. Yeah. And people will still... Off, still do say, it oh it's okay yeah. or like you know breastfeeding like yeah you know you can like the, the pump and dump kind yeah. of scenario or like it's not that much that's going through from a glass of wine yeah i feel like guinness is like encouraged uh so normalized right? yeah even, europe, even in cu- cultures in europe where it's like oh you drink a glass of wine every day like why would you change that yeah yeah and so it's really interesting yeah. right and ultimately like everyone is yeah. in charge of their own health and but it's so i think that the information is so important to have totally. because then at least people can make an informed choice, yeah. right? Whether they want to participate or not, yeah. or like you said, limit certain yeah. elements, but go in like eyes wide open. Yeah. I, the other piece I want to unpack there too, and you just kind of cued it on in my mind is the method of consumption and the onset time and offset time of that method. So as an example, I didn't consume edibles through the first year of postpartum because I didn't want them lingering in my body as long, mm-hmm. whereas inhaled forms of cannabis, vaping or smoking is a faster onset and offset. Okay. So I could time things a little more consciously. If Maven had just gone down for a nap, I knew I had a certain window. So you can time things. So you right. you can be responsible in your consumption to make yeah. sure that it's not like you're literally sitting there breastfeeding and smoking right like yeah, yeah. that's not the image i'm trying to oh, portray yeah. here but so, that, but it's so <laughs> that, like that's almost where you go like it go, mm-hmm. at least that, like we feel hardwired to like see it as it's like negative mm-hmm. scenario mm-hmm. rather than like it's it's actually facilitating you to be like the best mom you can yeah big time 
So it's for sure. so, yeah. yeah, very interesting. Yeah, huh. yeah. I uh, one thing I will say too. I I maybe this is weird. I have a new appreciation for people who take smoke breaks. The reason why I say this is as a parent now, I realize those five minutes that you can get to yourself are golden. And I'm like, this is why people smoke. I get it. (laughs) You get that, that five minutes to yourself at multiple increments throughout the day. So I get it. I get it. (laughs) I had a guy who worked at a restaurant and and he hated, like he was not a smoker at all, but then all of the people on his shift they would all get these extra breaks because they were smoking. So then he's like, I started smoking just so I could have extra yeah. breaks. <laughs> like, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. But it makes sense. Yeah. Right? Like, you're like, why am I slaving away? All these guys keep going up for 10 minutes. It's like, totally. Yeah. By, by me Reset, days. recharge. Yeah. yeah. There you go. <laughs> um, just a couple of terms that we've been using, THC, CBD, yeah. uh, super common in, in the cannabis world. But um, for any listeners that are, are not versed uh, in, you know, those that lingo, can you break down what CBD is, yep. what THC is, what the difference is, yep. um, and then maybe we can get into some Glad you're here for the rigor of the (laughs) the education. Yeah. So THC tetrahydrocannabinol is the intoxicating compound. It's the most prevalent in cannabis, the drug cultivar, whereas CBD cannabinol is non-intoxicating, but yeah, (laughs) bonus points, gold star. Um, And that's can be more prolific in hemp, which can be grown um, more freely than cannabis. It's not as highly regulated. Um, Hemp does not produce as much THC, whereas the drug cultivar will produce both THC and CBD. Okay. So um, there's lots more we can go into. Those are the two most prevalent compounds in cannabis and the most um, active in terms of like beneficial outcomes for us, the most abundant in terms of beneficial outcomes. Um, there, but there's over 100 different cannabinoids in the plant. Wow. So we really only talk about those two. Those are really yeah. the two that also when you think of like mainstream cannabis that are getting commercialized. But in more of the scientific community, we're starting to figure out how we can cultivate cannabis to be richer in the other cannabinoids because they do have really beneficial health effects. And I think that's really where the future of cannabis is going is almost like designer formulations, picking exactly which cannabinoids have which impact on which outcomes. So there may be a day when you take a capsule that has like an individualized cannabinoid formulation, and this isn't even that far away, but those are specifically suited for your constitution. And it could be, you know, your constitution in terms of your endocannabinoid system, but also in terms of your constitution, like the outcome, if sleep is your issue or what have you. So, um, yeah, there's hundreds of cannabinoids in the plant. So uh, just kind of break it down (laughs) to to layman's terms. Like if someone was, you know, wanting to try CBD, what would be some of the health benefits of taking CBD? Yeah, and this one is the least, it's the safest. And by safest, I mean um, the least both negative outcomes, just because some people might get paranoia or something from THC as an example, but um, the safest in terms of no barriers to taking it. Um, So CBD would be great for sleep, for anxiety, and for pain. Um, The one thing I will say is CBD is actually more effective with a little bit of THC in combination. So when we see a lot of these hemp-based CBD products out there, it is an isolated cannabinoid. It's just CBD. It's a bit of a one-dimensional um, experience or a bit of a one-dimensional impact on the body. Gotcha. Um, there's something called the entourage effect. You guys may, may or may not be familiar. Listeners may be familiar. That entourage effect is basically the symphony of all of the terpenes, the aromatic compounds, and all of the cannabinoids in the plant all working synergistically together um, to have as that kind of... As nature intended. As nature intended, <laughs> exactly. So 
CBD gets a lot of hype for being safer because there aren't these intoxicating outcomes from it. So it's overhyped, put into everything, but it's isolated. So it's not offering that full experience that cannabis really can deliver. So that's the one caveat I'll give. Mm. Try it, but you may not have as um, effective of an outcome um, as CBD paired with THC. And what kind of dosage do you have to use to like, because I've, I've played around with CBD and like, I can't say from, you know, whether it's placebo or, mm-hmm. or it, I mean, I find for sleeping, it works great. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's just like the habit of the ritual of me taking a little bit of CBD and I'm like, okay, this triggers bedtime. This signifies it's time to go to sleep and yeah. fall asleep. Um, but I have heard like for like anti-inflammation and stuff like that, that you actually need to take quite a high dosage. So there's a methodology I'd recommend called titration for anyone kind of figuring out their dose, whether it's THC or CBD. Um, And why this method is recommended is because our own endocannabinoid system is unique. So the dose that might be okay for me for anti-inflammatory benefits might be different for you, Zach. So titration allows you to find the right dose for your constitution or your your own endocannabinoid system. Um, so starting with the lowest dose possible, um, and then incrementally increasing from there over a very gradual period. So some products may have uh, starting dosage on them, um, depending on if it's sold legally or not. So a, a completely normal safe dose would be about 10 milligrams, and okay. you could increase from there. That would have uh, potential benefits. And okay. then if you found that you were really um, experiencing sleep issues or pain issues or high anxiety, you might have a, a higher intake need. Okay. So it might be two and a half milligram increases. It might be five milligram increases. It really, again, depends on your tolerance. But generally with CBD, you're likely staying around the 50, 80, 100 milligram mark at most. And again, this is like a general (laughs) conversation. So if someone's starting at 10, there's quite a ways you can step up. For some people, their endocannabinoid systems might be very sensitive. So you might notice a benefit quite quickly. So as soon as you're noticing an impact and you're staying for a few days, because one day might you might have slept better because you got a lot of fresh air, right? You want to yeah. stay on it for a couple of days, make sure that you're feeling okay. There's no, you know, side effects if if that was something constitutionally you were experiencing before you increase again. So mm. it might take a little bit of time, just like any supplement. It's not going to be this necessarily overnight fix, especially with CBD, because there's less. Um, kind of biofeedback with CBD. THC, you know you're high or you're not, right? right? CBD is a lot more subtle. So it takes more time before you look back, kind of like taking an adaptogen, right? Right. You increase maca in your smoothies every day and maybe a month later you're like, whoa, I've been so much more stable emotionally, you know? So it's the same kind of idea and cannabis is an adaptogen. So the same kind of an approach that you've really got to let your body adjust to that compound. That's cool. Mm. And what about um, like uh, applying it topically versus, you know, taking it? Orally as a pill or, or gummy yeah. or smoking it? Like, are there different benefits or is it just like a preference thing? For sure. So, taking um, cannabis topically would be site specific, so yeah. especially in an incidence of pain. Um, great example, actually. So, I did have uh, cannabis topicals during pregnancy too, so a lot of back pain was my issue, so I'd use yeah. it there. So, localized relief, whereas taking an edible would be a very general um, systemic experience, it would be throughout the entire body. So for a sleep issue, you would want to take an edible because you want to have that entire kind of restful body, restful mind. Whereas if you used a topical, that's not going through the blood brain barrier. Right. <laughs> so you're not going to have a psychoactive experience. You're not going to have an intoxicating experience, right. but it won't help sleep, obviously. Yeah. I, often, I have um, like a lavender CBD roller that I put on all my like acupressure points. Because like, like, probably just the lavender. The lavender that smells so nice. <laughs> 
I hate to say it, but it probably is. <laughs> and why I'm saying that is the amount that you're even, the amount of CBD that you'd yeah. be putting on your skin versus having like a CBD bath bomb where yeah. you're soaking, your yeah. pores are open. Every single pore in your body is now a receptor site. So yeah, yeah if CBD topically, I would definitely look at the volume you're applying, yeah. but also yeah. the amount of time that it's like lingering on your skin for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. So maybe a bath bomb. All right. Yeah. Sounds good to me. <laughs> um, okay, now how about THC? Can we talk about some of the, the mm-hmm. possible health benefits of THC? And then I'm curious about like yeah. different strains. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's too specific or no. it's too individual. There's so many different cultivars of the plant, but each of those cultivars, their genetics are what allows them to express and their cannabinoids to have um, varying levels of THC. So different cultivars will have different concentrations of THC. That's why when you go into a dispensary and you're looking at all the different varietals out there or, or what you could be consuming, that potency will range, um, but also the way that the plant is grown. So you could have two Blue Dream cultivars, one grown in a greenhouse, one grown outdoors, and they could have very different potencies. Mm. And the outdoor crop is subject to the volatility of the environment, so even season to season it could have different potencies, whereas indoor is controlled, so it would be much easier to have like a, a set or a... Uh, Uh, dependable amount um, crop after crop or batch after batch Um, THC is the intoxicating compound Um, more is not necessarily better so you know when you think back to like maybe in your youth it might have been like could you how much could you smoke but it's not necessarily about that because again it's your own endocannabinoid system I can't stress that enough there's the the method of consumption there's the plant and then there's you like there's all these variables and there's your environment that can impact your experience too so Long story short, um, more isn't necessarily better. Each of our different tolerances uh, differs. Um, THC can be grown in differing amounts in different plants. Um, The most you would ever find in a plant is about 30% THC concentration. Um, So that would be considered like a very high potency product or cultivar. Um, That's more in flower. You look at like percent potency, but when you're looking at um, oils or topicals or capsules, it'll be measured more in milligrams. In Canada, the, the top dose that we can have in a product is 10 milligrams. So for someone, maybe a starting dose of an edible or an edible oil, as an example, 10 milligrams would certainly be a recreational experience. So we've often heard of microdosing, which would be a dose like two and a half milligrams. So anywhere between two and a half and 10 milligrams is a totally safe starting point for THC. And if you wanted to use THC for various health benefits, what would be... Um, some of those benefits that we'd be looking for, whether it's like sleep or yeah. um, creativity. Or, totally. Or, or what yeah. What would you, if you're a doctor, uh, Emma Andrews, <laughs> cannabis PhD over here, yeah. what would you be? Um, they, the benefits are very similar to CBD. Okay. The only... I shouldn't say the only, but the main difference obviously is the intoxication. So if you're purely driven by health, health oriented outcomes, if it's to improve sleep, anxiety, or pain threshold, um, CBD would be the dominant cannabinoid I would look for, but a ratio is a really uh, important kind of verbiage for everyone to understand. So you'd want a ratio that's more predominant CBD, lower in THC. So like a 20 to one CBD to THC ratio um, again, if you don't want to get intoxicated, yes. if intoxication isn't, you're not averse to getting intoxicated, yeah. you could flip that on its head. So it could be a 20 part THC to one part CBD ratio. Okay. Um, CBD is definitely your health and wellness cannabinoid. Yeah. THC is also health and wellness, but also intoxication. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. So yeah. let's, uh, 
you know, fun times with the benefits. So you totally. Don't, you don't lose the benefits if you're... Going. Intoxicated. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny that, like, there is... I, I, I feel forever there will be that dialogue of, like, like uh, cannabis and alcohol together, even though yeah. they're, like, such different substances. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, what about, like, as, as someone that's, you know, invested and interested um, forever in, in the wellness world... Um, you know, with foods, I'm often looking at, like, organic versus conventional. Mm-hmm. Is that something that's, like, entered the conversation for cannabis now? There is starting to be organic uh, brands coming online, so they would grow exclusively. Their cultivation um, would be uh, exclusive organic inputs. There is a lot of pesticides um, that can be used on cannabis because pests can kill your entire crop. And so if a pest gets into one of your grow rooms, that entire batch or that entire um, grow cycle is... Uh, ruined. So pest management is a huge issue. So I would really encourage people to uh, buy legal product because Health Canada regulates what you can put as an input into your system, whether it's fertilizer, whether it's water, whether it's sunlight, like all of that is controlled in the legal market. Mm -hmm. Um, In the illicit market, things can be sprayed on your plant too to increase yields. Things can be sprayed on your plant to decrease pests. And then if anyone sort of concentrates, it's when you're extracting the cannabinoids out of the plant you are also concentrating any other thing that was on that plant. So if we're vaping illegal vapes, you're not just intaking cannabis, you're intaking concentrated amounts of any other toxin or pollutant that was a part of that supply chain. 100% regulated cannabis is really important for that reason. Yeah, yeah, and and we're getting into more outdoor production of cannabis. Um, The other piece there to be considered up to you, hemp is an amazing soil cleaner, air purifier. It's a fantastic plant for sustainability reasons, but it is also taking up any toxins from the soil into the cannabis plant. So again, that's another reason to consume legal product because the extracts or the biomass is tested by Health Canada after harvesting. So Far more controlled. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny with the hemp seed too because like that's been accepted as a health food, you know, item for, for a long time now. Yeah. That's like one of my go-tos for everything. I just add hemp seed oh, it's so good. Love it. You know, having soup or yeah. smoothie or salad. There's going to be a day. You'll come to the juice truck and you'll get hemp leaf chlorophyll in your drinks. I'm not right. kidding. It's a thing yeah. on the internet. People, so People come by, people <laughs> come by regularly and ask, like, yeah. oh, do you guys, can, do you have CBD to add? Will you get it? And I was yeah. like, oh, I mean, it's, because we're like, it's not illegal. Like, why can't we add CBD? Yeah, yeah. And it's a good question. I mean, we don't, but... It would be really, there's definitely a market for it. And it's not, it's, a, it's wellness. It's like, oh, I want ashwagandha. Yeah. I want turmeric and yeah. CBD. Yeah. It's like, I'm, I have some inflammation. I want to take care of that. And so, so there's a, a charge, if you will, in Canada right now, um, being led where we're trying to essentially um, sway Health Canada into re-regulating CBD as a natural health product. So for exactly that reason, you could come to the juice truck and get it rather than having to go to a dispensary and then adding it into your juice at home, right? right exactly. It's a bit of a backward system. Which though. is, I think, what's happened in, like, California, right? So, yep. yeah, cause we were, uh, a couple of years ago, a friend of mine, we drove the Pacific Coast Highway and nice. we made a stop, one like, just a gas station, whatever, and he comes back, he's like, oh, I know you like kombucha, man, I got you, I got you a kombucha. I'm like, oh, thanks. And I look at it, and it's called Purple Haze. <laughs> it's like CBD infused. Nice, yeah. And I was like, I don't know what that means, but like, let's go. And so I was like, I didn't know that you could do that. And it, there it is. It would be hemp derived, yeah. It's hemp derived, yeah. okay. So totally. I like, who knows? Like, yeah. Obviously nothing happened, but yeah. it was just like a really interesting, I had never seen that before. 
course. Yeah, like, yeah. That's just like at the gas station ready to go for you. I was like, yeah. oh, that's kind of cool. And that's what people are looking for. Right? Yeah. They want to be able to have it with their kombucha or with their, you know, deep green juice. Totally. Right? Yeah. So, so throw some chlorophyll yeah. and some CBD and let's go. But that's the normalization that needs to happen, right? Is it is it can be considered just like any other superfood or adaptogen, like we we're mm-hmm. saying, right? Yeah. yeah. So you're, um, well, we're, we're, I'm not. I have a million more kind of questions. But, uh, you're like um, your perfect smoothie would have some cannabis in it. Mm. Can we do a morning elixir instead? Yeah, what's in your morning elixir? Yeah. Superfoods. Why I say that is because the edibles that I make at home. Um, is like a pack of coconut oil. Yeah. It's basically infused into that, which I do put in smoothies. Maybe you can convince me otherwise, but coconut oil in my smoothies, I find it doesn't like blend quite as well. Yeah. Yeah. It depends on the brand I find. Okay. But, uh, okay. Coconut butter blends a lot better. Mm, yeah. Um, which also depends on the brand somewhere. Yeah. Like uh, there's a site listed, it's called Cat Beauty. Shout out to them. Yeah. The coconut butter, butter is like heavenly. Ooh, maybe I'll try and infuse that next time. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Because okay. the coconut butter's got, um, has the oil in it still, yeah. so mm-hmm. it can go from liquid to solid, but uh, yeah. it's a bit smoother in flavor and blendability. Yeah. It's very good. Like, I haven't, to, to be totally honest, put cannabis in my smoothies that often because most of the edibles that I'm taking are in a fat-based medium, okay. so that has that coconut oil. So I put it, put it in my coffee more. Oh, like, my cool. smoothies, though, are like the kitchen sink, though. It literally is every superfood under the sun, <laughs> which I've had to dumb down now because now I feed them to Maven. I'm like, that's not going to fly anymore. So now they're, like, really dialed back, like hemp seeds, almond milk, banana, and a bit of... Uh, no, we started making our own almond milk. I was putting, I was trying different milks because she's not taking to a bottle. Anyways, long story short, we don't need to go down that <laughs> yeah. route. But my smoothies are really basic these days for her benefit. But yeah, okay, well, it was like a wild yeah. morning smoothie. So my, well, my elixir or yeah, oh, my elixir. before before maybe. before baby. Okay, smoothie or elixir? What do you want? Let's do let's do both. Okay, <laughs> let's get crazy. Uh, elixirs are my favorite because I love coffee. Yeah. Um, so I do a little infused cannabis in um, basically an ice cube trays. I make it infused into the coconut oil and then I freeze it so it's just these little pucks that I pop into my coffee Um, I put maca I put mushrooms in there adaptogenic mushrooms um, homemade almond milk and I think that's it right now that does seem a little more tame than I thought it's called the bonk proof coffee get rid of bulletproof bonk proof and actually I know you guys are runners that is like the perfect drink before a long run so I would with cannabis yeah. yeah, I would take it with my Four Sigmatic. Yeah. That's I what I, that's yeah. Okay, often so the mushrooms huge, I use. Huge, huge coffee drinker. And then in the last few months, I've talked about this before. Yes. But in the last few months, I've switched over and I gave it up because I was like dying. It was killing me. Yeah. I was, like, I was way too, having way too much. Yeah. So I went off it, and then the only coffee I drink now is the Four Sigmatic. Pre-run and I would or... say like no, the Defend one Kay. with cordyceps in it. Yeah. Which we did. A Do you use it before you run though? Oh, all the time. Like as a ergogenic aid, right? So yeah. it's the one thing that I feel like. Um, was was a dramatic wow. difference. Like we we recorded an episode talking about it because I was like, this is amazing. Like it's literally like from one day not having it to the next. Yeah, feeling like yeah, it's just it's super fuel. Yeah. So like we've been toying with like different tinctures and things we can create like yeah. with cordyceps and that. So hearing yeah. that like a little bonk proof coffee yeah. in the four sigmatic is like <laughs> totally. <laughs> so yeah, cordyceps is we we talk about it on every podcast. And yeah. We don't even have like a cordyceps tincture that we sell in the juice. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, I feel like that's a cheat code. Yeah, like, cordyceps are one of my fave too. And a little sidebar story, I did a, 
uh, trail relay, an yeah. ultra trail relay in Zion one time. And so we're up in the mountains and yeah. every one of my teammates was having a lot of respiratory issues. And I'd been dosing on cordyceps right before and I have asthma as well too. And I was the only one who wasn't coughing up along back in the tent, like yeah. after each of our laps, I'm like something to it. So there's those little moments, right? Where you've been taking it accumulatively for a while, kind of yeah. like we were talking about with CBD. Yeah. It takes a little bit for your body to actually calibrate and know that it can reliably function with that substance now, right? Yeah, and then yeah. you feel the benefit. Well, it's amazing too. So we did a long run last week. I was like, oh shoot, like I didn't have a, I didn't have a coffee that morning and I have like a, a, a little cordyceps tincture as well. And I forgot to have some. So I was like, oh no, I'm not going to feel so like, so sluggish this run. <laughs> But we went out and I felt amazing. And I was like, oh, probably because like... It's that like, resilience has yeah, built up. Yeah, right? And it does. Yeah. It just helps you with your fitness as well. So yeah. like you, we've been doing long runs. It's yeah. all like working together. You've conditioned yeah. to a different level now. Totally. And yeah. it's just like that sense of... It just gives you that extra little edge. Yeah. That boost. Yeah. Even, yeah, just residually in you. So I will say I train with cannabis running, but yes. I don't race with cannabis. Okay. That is also a disclaimer I will put out there. Yeah, and I learned that through trial and error. <laughs> okay. I have run a few marathons now, raced a few marathons now, and trained for those marathons with cannabis. Obviously, traveling with cannabis isn't always easy, so dependent on the location of that marathon, you may or may not be able to compete with it. So I strategically had picked a marathon I was going to run after training with cannabis, and I was going to race this marathon with cannabis because I thought... I trained that way, I should race that way. That's how it works, right? right? No. <laughs> uh, did everything normal. I'd run marathons before, so on race day, like everything felt like according to plan, but I hadn't accounted for the adrenaline. And all the people. Totally, yeah. yeah. The adrenaline definitely affected my experience of being on cannabis, right? I, it was a very different experience than training because you were hyped up you're amped and then you're trying to get all meditative and contemplative with this cannabis. Like it just was the two stood in such stark contrast. So I wasn't able to keep my pace. I wasn't able to stay on my plan. Like it all just went to shit. So I don't race with cannabis anymore. I only use it as a training aid, um, both for recovery, but I do consume before my long runs. And that quite honestly is how I became an endurance runner was elevating my runs. And so that was as a, as a means of like settling into the zone, not necessarily totally. like a, I'm going to use this, like feel great or like get hyped or whatever. Yeah. It was just like, how do I overcome this mental perceived barrier, self-imposed limitation? And I think a lot of people who consume cannabis regularly would echo that it can really help reframe your reality. It can help you see things differently. And so I never thought I would be a long distance runner. I had asthma a lot through my youth. I never thought that that was for me. Honestly, I just never identified with it. I thought 10K was going to be it. Somehow I signed up for a half marathon and I remember thinking the only way I'm going to get there is if I do these long runs. The only way I'm going to do them is if I take away the, the perceived barrier. And I knew that cannabis could do that for me. And so honestly, within that first training cycle, I was hooked and I use that word loosely because I don't want it to come across as an addiction it's not that I can run completely fine without cannabis it's not that it's just the enjoyment factor and the um, perception of either pain or that I can't do this kind of monkey mind that can come up um, can be really abated with cannabis and again this is where it's a tool in your toolkit meditation can offer these benefits there's other ways to get the same outcome so it's a tool in your toolkit right. but i have found it to be very effective so for yourself um you're obviously using like a thc like you are you physically smoking 
something before you go for a run or what is your kind of cannabis practice for, yeah. what's the cannabis practice for long distance running? <laughs> Um, so I will say there's what I might recommend and then there's what I do and I'm laughing, I'm laughing because I personally, I know all the things about cannabis and I said it before and you told me to be real. I love smoking a joint. Like there's just something about it that I feel it's my preferred method. So what I would say to most people is to start with methods of consumption that are non-combustible. So that could be like a transdermal patch. I've I've experimented with those. Those will pass the blood-brain barrier. That is a little different than a topical. So you could have an intoxicating experience if it had THC in it, but those are great for a higher CBD ratio, lower THC ratio, like a transdermal patch. So that could be to alleviate pain or muscle soreness, like tight areas. Um, it could be an edible, so that could be a low-dose, micro-dose edible. So that, again, could be about your pain threshold. That could help you get into a really meditative state on a long run. And then in, um, for someone like myself, I am choosing inhaled. You could inhale with a vape, which would be the most health-conscious. And then you could inhale um, combustible forms, which would be like a joint or a bong or a pipe. Um, the reason why I'm choosing those is the amount of cannabinoids inhaled. Um, it's a more... Uh, more potency and there's a broader spectrum that I'm consuming versus a vape which is a concentrate so I like that rounded experience you would call it yeah the entourage (laughs) effect you got it but it's kind of like whole foods honestly and that's why I think I I will say that is that it's not just about the smoking it's it really is you're using the whole plant versus a concentrate or an extract an edible even is using an extract from the plant Right. So I, I prefer my whole foods. I prefer my whole plant cannabis. So it's right. the same for me. It's yeah. the way it's like mo- the most like p- pure. Totally. Yeah. Unadulterated, least processed. Yeah. yeah. In its most natural form. It's right. literally the same way we would look at what we put in and on our body. They're different from the plant. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is there a strain? That's one thing that I often get confused with. You know, you walk into one of the stores and there's like yeah. six million strains that do six million different things. Yeah. You don't know where to start. Yeah. Um, is there a strain that you personally use or would recommend for, yeah. um, you know, going for a long distance run or meditation or yeah. that would just kind of help get into that meditative state? Totally. So I'll address that before I name them. Um, the strains can be correlated to how they were grown or where they were grown. Um, like there's something called land race strains that would kind of trace where it's come from and migrated in terms of regions of, of growing. And then there's also basically brand name strains that are coming out now. So it's becoming even more confusing is what I'm saying. So I, I, I echo you in that the, yeah. it can be overwhelming. So go to a reputable um, dispensary, chat with your bud tender, become good, good buds <laughs> with your bud tender. So they can kind of look out and help you navigate because to say you know, of all the strains, these are the specific ones. It's just too broad. My preferred ones, there's um, a cultivar called Harlequin and Skunk Haze, which if you're in BC, both of those are grown by Tantalus. They're uh, an amazing cultivator, sun-grown, like rainwater inputs, really good quality product. And those two cultivars are, they tend to be more balanced, like a one-to-one CBD to THC. So very functional. Um, those are fantastic for kind of an entry point. Um, but if you really want what's called a cerebral experience, I'm a big fan of something called Blue Dream. That's a very popular common strain. So you'll, you'll likely find that from a lot of different brands. But Blue Dream is a very cerebral sativa, um, which is a way of kind of classifying cannabis. So that would be a very um, heady high. Mm. So if you are looking to have that kind of 
either disassociative effect from something that's causing you a lot of anxiety, whether that's like an impending race day or the long run on the weekend, that might be a way of just kind of distancing from the, the um, overthinking that run or race. Yeah. I want to see like a marathon where everybody is high. There will be. There will be a day. Yeah. Like a marathon for cannabis users, I think it'd be pretty interesting. Totally. Just like this chill group of runners. Totally. I still have a pipe dream, and and you know I'll just put it out there. Maybe there's people on this podcast that want to join, but I still want to start one day. Like a, I gotta think of a better name, but a high runners club, essentially. Yeah. So come as you are, you know, like yeah. do your do your deed, and let's go and enjoy this experience together. That's cool. Yeah. So as it's probably way. out there. Like for it sure, is. For I sure know it is. There, yeah. Right? So I'm putting it out there. Yeah. Find me, peeps. <laughs> yeah. It's gonna happen. <laughs> 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 Uh, how did you get into running originally? And, and uh, yeah, let's, let's unpack your running journey a little bit. Because yeah. I know you've done a lot of long distance, you know. Yeah, running in Zion. I was like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> let's talk yeah. about that. Totally. <laughs> yeah. I've run, I think I've run six marathons now. Like I said, that I never thought I'd be a long distance runner, but I did always love running, like did soccer, track and field, all those kind of traditional things growing up. But for me, it's become really meditative, like the yeah, the mental, psychological benefits have been what have kept me a runner all these years. I have gone through periods where I've been really intense about it and a lot more into racing, a lot more dialed about my and prescriptive about my training plans. And truly for, for me right now, it really is about the mental health benefits. Um, I find myself when I'm running, I'm sure you guys can relate. Like I find my sense of self, my sense of centeredness, my groundedness, my ideas come flowing. You guys were just talking about that too. I honestly don't think I would be I work in product development and innovation and I wouldn't be able to do what I do without running because it's truly the fluidity of ideas and it's like they're all out there. Yeah. And if you didn't go find them, they'd just be out there. Yeah, yeah. so true. Yeah, that's such a good way of... It's like yeah. our own little Pokemon as we run, right? You run, like, you brrr, really that idea gained. You really want to like run into the idea. Yeah. That's what I always feel like. It's, yeah, it's out yeah. there to be found. Yeah. Totally. So good. Yeah. We find this out like, you know... One, going for a solo run, I find like your ideas kind of settle by the end of the run, but um, having a running meeting, we'll often, you know, if we want to go, go over something, we'll, we'll run it, run through it versus, you know, having a conventional yeah. sit-down coffee or whatever, and I, yeah. we find that, um, you know, when you're meeting traditionally around a table or whatever, like, we have our phones that distract us, other people come and go that yeah. distract us. Yeah. We often, like, settle an idea just because it's, like, it's okay, it's good enough, it'll, yeah. it'll pass, but when it's convenient for, you know, an hour or more, um, you kind of, the idea resonates and, you know, you let it simmer and um, it comes and goes, and I've found that through our runs, we've been able to, like, really evolve ideas yeah. to, to a state that we wouldn't be able to achieve by just sitting around talking about something. Totally. So it's like, yeah. um, I think it's almost become like a necessity for for creativity, yeah. for, for mental health. Like yeah. it's, uh, so I would wager that yes. that probably has to do with the benefit of the runner's high. Right. Yeah. And yes. because as you're saying this, anandamide is the, the um, substance that's produced essentially um, yeah. in response to the runner's high or as a result of the runner's high, or that's what's creating the runner's high, I should say. Um, and anandamide is a compound that is essentially the bliss molecule. That's where the naming for anandamide comes from. So the runner's high is that euphoric state that we feel after a long run, and we've created that molecule 
in our body. So that's what I was talking about in our own endocannabinoid systems. We can create cannabinoids. So we just do it with anandamide right there. That's why we get that kind of bliss outcome. So the the compounding effects of cannabis plus running, extra anandamide, right? Two pathways to the same goal, but yeah, it's a very, it is a very euphoric sensation. So the the ability to get motivated to get out the door again. When you look forward to that runner's high, it's a lot easier once you get into oh, it, right? Absolutely. And it takes a while for some runners to get there and to yeah. to reliably get that output from their runs, but um, there's other ways to calibrate the body to get the same outcome. <laughs> so, okay, you were running 10Ks and you eventually did a half marathon. And yep. that um, you know, led you to running marathons really all over the world. Yeah, and to be honest, I credit working at Vega. I um, met some of my most fantastic friends there. I met my husband working at Vega. I got into so many different sports um, working at Vega, so can't espouse um, the benefits of having been a part of that team at the right time um, enough, but peer pressure, right? Positive peer pressure. We did Tough Mudders together. We did this trail ultra that I was talking about, and it really just proved to me I could do some things that I thought were previously impossible, so. It's one of our taglines. What? It, uh, things, things seem impossible. Until they're not. Until you do it. Right. <laughs> like, oh, we never would have thought we'd be doing this, this, this. It's like, well, it seemed impossible until you start doing it. Yes. So good. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm relatively new. Like, Gina was always a runner and I was the cyclist. Yeah. And he was like, kind of like, oh, come for a run. I, I don't even remember how I started running with him, but eventually it did happen. And, um, you know, like, similar to you, I played soccer before growing up and, um, you know, I thought, 10K seemed like impossible. Yeah. And then, you know, eventually we got to 10K and I was like, oh, I can't believe we did that. And now, like, you know, we'll go for runs that are over 20K regularly yeah. and it doesn't seem hard to run, you know, 25K now. Um, yeah. And now we're like, well, could we run 100K? Yeah. And it just breaks down, like, totally in terms guys. of goal setting or, you know, s- breaking down self-doubt. Yeah. Um, running is a litmus for life I'm sure you feel that right there are so many lessons that we can take away and that is why we keep coming back to it right 100% yeah so um, do you have any like lofty running goals now or or don't even have to be lofty like anything that you're striving towards or totally destinations that you want to go to post-covid yes let's say post-pandemic my my big hairy audacious goal had to shift my goal was to do the world marathon majors in my 30s um, which was already going to be a challenge with having kids you know timing everything and they're notoriously hard to get into so I knew I was either going to be fundraising or saving or um, you know hoping to get in the lottery so it was already going to be a big stretch goal and then with the pandemic it obviously just completely changed the running industry in those races so I've said in my lifetime I would like to do the world majors so I've done New York and Chicago I've got Boston uh, London no no I've got those left Boston London Tokyo and I'm missing one other London Tokyo oh uh Boston three London Tokyo did I say Uh, is LA Oh my gosh, why am I totally blanking on this? Berlin! Berlin Berlin was the one I was supposed to do postpartum too, sorry, and that's why I was blanking on that one, but Berlin is the last one. You're counting it, I've already done it. Yeah, (laughs) I honestly think I was in my brain. That's so funny. That's awesome, that's a killer goal. Yeah, there, I mean, I love traveling, you guys do too, I know you do. You seem those type, I know you've done a lot of traveling in your past, but um, I find, yeah, just doing those marathons, like to be in the middle of a street, I can't even... I can't even wait to be in the middle of Tokyo running down the streets. I've been for my honeymoon and lived there for a little bit, but to run down those streets and have it 
be your playground is just going to be the most unparalleled feeling. I can't wait. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> and there's, there's like no better way to explore a city too, right? Not even not even going to like run a specific race, but just yeah. going somewhere new. Yeah. Like one of my favorite things to do is like right off the hop is like get get the running shoes out of the suitcase and yeah. like go and go explore and see where you can go. And, yeah. Uh, Best just, way to get rid of jet lag. Too, it, totally right. right? Yeah. yeah. Get your feet on the ground and go for it. Like get a sweat in. Yeah. It's the best. Yeah. Really exploring our own city is like we'll do a new road route here in Houston. We're like, damn. Just makes like your own home so much better. Yeah. Exploring like side streets that you would never, yeah. you know, drive down or. Um, now you've done some trail running too. Like, how do you have. how do you feel about trail versus road? Do you do you enjoy them equally or? I have uh, not a fear. The last trail run I did, I really severely injured myself yeah. and so I have <laughs> a little bit left out there do you feel that you've got some like redemption in the in the mountains or on the trails I'm, I'm scared of slippery bridges yeah <laughs> I honestly like I still am tender footed so it, yeah. it may be a while before I race in the trails again but yeah. I do really love trail running granted we were talking about this before we came on the pod just about it's such a different pursuit because you're so focused right on all the roots and rocks and did you take the right turn and I find it takes me out of the flow so much more so while I love the benefit of being in the forest and the the you know the negative ions and everything if you're running by the ocean what have you but I just find I'm too focused on wayfinding and not enough in that brainstorming kind of creative flow state so I prefer road it's a different it's a different ballgame altogether yeah yeah trail run versus just a long long slow distance on the pavement like yeah yeah music in I don't know about you guys but I I am a music junkie when I run I really it really is a benefit for me and I feel and maybe that's the you know the the combo with cannabis too that it just you can really immerse into the music and the running so I find Mm -hmm. it's a really like totally sensorial experience oh yeah yeah I've had that like recently I was never I started running with music all the time and then I went for probably like five years where I didn't run with anything because yeah. I was like no I want to be just like pure and just yeah. like my thoughts and all this and then just recently I started running again with music if I'm not with Zach and we're like chatting or whatever then it's uh, headphones in and away I go and I've got this like it's kind of like a jazz funk playlist nice. it's one of them and it's so fun yeah. and there's this one song I was in the summer we did the gross grind and then you can like go up to the very top they've got like the big windmill up there yeah so it's like an extra whatever 2k but it's it's like way easier than the girls crying and it was a beautiful like sunny evening and this song came on and it's called uh in the temple garden by mm-hmm. yusuf latif it's such a dope song and i remember like i was running down the mountain and like you could see vancouver and I was like euphoric. It was totally like uh, the runner's high. Yeah, yeah. And I remember like running down the side of this mountain, and I was like laughing out loud. I must have looked insane. Like thankfully there was no one else around. Yeah. But I'm like laughing out loud. I literally had like tears streaming down my face just because I was like so in the moment. Yeah. And I was like, I don't think I ever want to run without music again. Yeah. <laughs> it was like the way that song hit. Yeah. And the way my body felt. I was yeah. Like, oh my gosh, this is like. It was like a spiritual experience. Yeah. It was amazing. Yeah. Cool. It is so powerful, yeah. right? To shift. Yeah. yeah. Seriously. Tears. And I was like, I should have just been like exhausted and walking down, but it just like, it just hit you, right? Where I was like, no, yeah. this is like, yeah. this is it. And so I love listening to that. And even still it happened. Like you get into a long run and then like a certain song or vibe comes on and you just like, it feels like you're in a movie and yeah. that's like the soundtrack and it's like surrounding you. It's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Everybody needs their power song. I feel if I could have a, like a, a superpower it would be to just like have audio like playing all right? the time 
that it wouldn't interfere, no one would know. You could just like have a soundtrack like perfectly queued up for your life all the time. So good. It'd be so great. What's, what's on your running playlist? Yeah. Oh, to that note, I was just gonna say, do you listen to Big Gigantic? You were mentioning like funk jazz. No, I no. Uh, look into Big Gigantic. Okay. Yeah, like brass brass funk. It's so good. Yes. yes. That's cool. the jam. Like hypnotic brass ensemble. I have some of them and okay. like some other ones that are okay. Well, into it. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, I use like curated playlists on Apple and I hate yeah. to say that's a really like passive strategy, but I'll pick like a power song and then build yeah. off of that, like higher love by Kygo right now. And Whitney Houston remix. I'm just like, that is my ballad right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but then I'll let like Apple kind of, uh, the algorithm do its work yeah. Yeah. from there. Well, so no, yeah, I do. I like a lot of EDM and electronic and yeah, yeah I have to admit. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Okay, so tapping into your nutritionist background. Yeah. Let's stay on the running weight for a few minutes. Um, what would you recommend for people for a like a pre-run or pre-workout or a post uh, like a recovery? Uh, what kind of superfoods or foods would you be go tos? Your go tos. Yeah. Um, depends if you run in the morning and at night. And, um, back in the day, I used to do a lot of education for runners. I work now more with brands than. Um, less so like with the we call it the end consumer in marketing that feels yeah, so yeah, marketing yeah. talk when yeah. you know what I'm saying. <laughs> um, so I used to really encourage people to think about that. Like, are you an AM or PM runner? Because it really affects things. Yeah. If you run in the morning, you're less likely to have a big substantial meal. Whereas if you run after work, it's more likely you can have that afternoon snack that can really load your tanks for the night. So yeah. if you are a morning runner and you don't tend to have like a big appetite in the morning, that's why I do those bonk proof coffees, honestly, because right. it's easy to digest. Yeah. There's no chewing involved, but you get some really healthy fats and I'm sure I'm speaking to the converted here, but coconut oil is an amazing fuel for runners, right? Yeah. It burns very quickly like a carb, but lasts long like a fat. Yeah. So I love using coconut oil in my coffee pre-run. Yeah. Um, sometimes even dates, like I'll do it blended in the, the Vitamix so that it's really like whipped up. But a couple of dates, like again, super easy fuel for runners, lots of antioxidants, you guys know. Even just dates on your run can be your simple go-to yeah. snack, right? Yeah. Um, so I blend that all up. I will put superfoods, like whether it's cordyceps or maca in there for a little yeah. bit of adaptogenic support. Coffee, it is an ergogenic aid, meaning it gets you in the zone. It does what it's supposed to do. So yeah. typically for me, that's, that's what I'll go to to get out the door. And I think for a lot of morning runners, they can relate or doing like overnight oats super simple and then there's less fuss in the morning Um, but post run again depends morning or evening if it's in the evening most likely you're going to do your dinner unless you're running after dinner in which case I would do a really really simple smoothie like some really good quality protein but blend it with some um, fruit for your antioxidants help lower that inflammation it's funny talking to you guys because I know you know all this stuff but we're talking to everybody out there (laughs) totally yeah this is what I do yeah Um, But if you're a morning runner, um, then you're obviously going to have your breakfast after. If you did like the bonk proof coffee, then I'd be going for something more substantial. I'm a big fan of sprouted grain breads um, and then adding some healthy fats on there like your nut butters or your avocados. Um, If you do find that you're someone like a female, if you are plant-based, maybe you're training for something and you have some higher protein intake, that could be through the rest of the day. Um, Protein right after exercise isn't truly recommended even though it's you know it's commonly thought of to go for the protein shake Um, but going for something with a little bit higher carbohydrate content and then having your protein later in the day so another another myth kind of busted right that carb we should like steer away from carbs and go heavy on the protein yeah i think timing of everything is a really big part of it right yeah Yeah, everything has its place in time yeah Yeah. and for those that don't know can you explain what adaptogens are yeah, totally. Adaptogens help your body to find homeostasis. 
So essentially they're a rebalancer or a recalibrator. I like to think of it as, as if you're you know, too high strung, it'll bring you back down to level. If you're you know, feeling really down and glum, it'll bring you back up to uplifted. So it's really, yeah, an equalizer. Yeah, what are some yeah. examples of adaptogens? We were talking about cordyceps, so yeah. mushrooms. Um, I truly would advocate that cannabis is an adaptogen because of how it works in the body. Rhodiola, ginseng, ashwagandha, yeah, maca, which we were talking about a little bit earlier. Don't they all sound great? You know, don't they? You don't know what they, are, like they sound like a really new age commune of kids. Like, this yeah. is my family, ashwagandha and rhodiola. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, come here, maca. Yeah, yeah. children. Totally, oh, yeah. <laughs> if her and Chris Martin stayed together, it would have been the rest of yeah, their family. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the fruit basket, right? Totally, yeah. yeah. Noah's Ark. Of, of adaptogens. So, like with with cannabis being a wellness product, do you see? I mean, you're starting to see some of those products come out, but do you see a blend of it being used with these like adaptogens and superfoods um, kind of coming together, similar to what you did with Vega, but yeah. in like a, a new form? Yeah. I definitely think it's going to head that way, A, because we see that trend with any other superfood that enters the market, like turmeric yeah. is in everything now, yeah. right? So there will be that oversaturation of it. I'm a big fan of, especially anytime you integrate anything new, is give it a chance before you you know, confuse things too much. So if you're going to increase, in, include a new supplement into your regime, give it a chance. Don't add 18 million things at once. So I would recommend people try cannabis first before layering it into like a crazy smoothie or a crazy elixir drink like try it yeah. on its own decide that that benefit is for you and then your convenience smoothie with all the nuts and bolts could be where you end up consuming it take some baby steps before totally you, uh, yeah go for the honey, baby tokes honey, <laughs> honey, 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 honey. <laughs> i had to i had yeah. to <laughs> I, I think for so many people you know they like how you talked about people have different tolerances they'll their first experience will yeah. kind of can you know, take them on the wrong yeah. path of, you know, not wanting to go back there because they'll go, you know, smoke a joint with someone that, you know, is a daily user and yeah. you'll get super high yeah. when you're, you know, their first time. I always, um, you might hear set and setting, or you might hear mood and moment, but those are two really crucial things to think about. The stimulus, the environment, and how you are feeling before a cannabis experience. Those are crucial in the type of outcome you're going to have. Mm -hmm. So, you could replicate the exact same cultivar method of consumption, potency. Maybe you're in the same headspace, but you're doing it in front of your parents. It's going to have a different impact, right? <laughs> so, yeah, the, the mood in the moment is a big uh, variable in your cannabis experiences. Does it, like, heighten? So if you're, if you're coming into a scenario and you're feeling hyped or, like, lots of anxiety, can consuming, like, cannabis heighten that or does it will it pretty much always combat like like you say bringing you back to balance or homeostasis like because i know sometimes people say oh i was like feeling depressed so when i got and had a few drinks and then yeah. i felt really good yeah. but we know alcohol is depressant yeah. and eventually like it takes you back has a linger it's like less yeah. it's not a health product yeah so in this way like if you're f entering a scenario or a room where you're feeling super anxious like, yeah is there a chance that it would like ramp up your anxiety or how does that work depends on the composition of the cannabis you're consuming so those cannabinoids thc and cbd can have different impacts thc would make you a little more paranoid right. so if you're aware of that you can moderate modu modulate that experience or moderate that experience but if you aren't aware of it that could be overwhelming you could become overwhelmingly paranoid so 
for anybody's first experience, I wouldn't go into a room full of strangers, right? <laughs> that would heighten your paranoia. Um, if you are a very anxious person, a higher CBD composition would help to abate that anxiety. So right. the compounds will um, be important to consider as much as the occasion. Right. And yeah. that's where it's, I think it's important now and really beneficial. It's like there's so much more access to information and mm-hmm. people like yourself mm-hmm. where it's not just like, I don't know, I guess I'll like get it from the guy that totally. I know from high school who used to sell. Yeah. Like you can actually make an informed choice. Like yeah. you talked about being kind of conscious in, in what you're yeah. choosing and that there are so many different strains or yeah. varieties. And with legal cannabis, you are required to um, indicate that information on the product, the terpene profile, the cannabinoid profile. So now we can correlate how we feel so much better with what we were consuming. And, you know, I'll give my own scenario as example. I bought from a guy for a super long time and it wasn't until probably honestly the last five years that I really understood cannabis, even after having been like a decades long consumer. So Mm -hmm. the more information, the better in this case, for sure. Right. Yeah. Naivety is not bliss, even though you will feel blissed. (laughs) That's good. (laughs) I actually haven't said that before, but I'm totally going to say that somewhere else oh, yeah, again now. Use that one on repeat. Yeah. Um, you know, you might have some other questions. Um, I've got maybe one or two, and then maybe some rapid fire. To, rapid fire. I love the rapid fire to, love it. to wrap things around. Yeah. Is there anything you want to touch on? Well, I think, I mean, we've covered, we've covered so much of what I was curious about, and I feel like pod two is definitely in order as like we always digest afterwards like oh we should ask about this or talk about this yeah or even as people hear it and have like their own questions or whatever that come in yeah it'd be really cool to be able to like dialogue further but i guess like one of the things is we talked about it a little bit with like parenting but yeah. what are some of the tools that you would recommend for if people have like maybe they're listening to this they have older children like you know high school totally. age or coming into that that are curious, yep. but obviously recognizing like with the legality comes like an age limit and all this. Yep. But what are some points of conversation you could have for parents who are maybe struggling if they're like, I understand that it's not this demonized thing that like it was made out to be, yep. but how do I engage in this as an adult and like have conversation with my teenage or preteen kids about it and like safe use and like, what would you say okay. without promoting it like to young yeah. people obviously that's not what we're doing yeah but in a way that can like help with a, a better education yeah responsible yeah. consumption or responsible use or framework around it yeah right i honestly think about like what what would have resonated with me when I was that teenager right. because I was so interested in it and I was going to pursue it at all costs. Right. And there was that rebellious uh, vein of me that was going to again, do it even if I was told not to or whatever reason. But I think the biggest thing is the brain isn't finished developing. Mm-hmm. So if you can have that conversation, especially with teens, I know you teach teens, so this would relate in terms of their comprehension it's not about saying no forever and it's not about being good, bad, right or wrong. It's just about recognizing your body isn't done yet. Like we're never done, but the brain especially has a little ways to go. So wait until it's fully finished its job and then you can explore that substance. So I think that would have resonated for me knowing that it's not a never or it's not a bad thing, that it's an eventually thing. Um, so I think that is a really good ground. And then I think too, like for parents to de demystify it. I like as an example, I'm growing it, and so Maven has been around it. We have pictures in front of it. It's a plant like any other in our garden. Mm-hmm. So again, that 
opportunity for conversation is there. It's not a like a quarantined topic that can only be touched at certain times, you yes. know? It's something that is open for conversation in our everyday life and experiences, but recommended for a certain time. Yeah, oh, I think that's really good. Those are That's a wise approach for mm. sure. And I think of like my experience growing up, my parents were like, don't do drugs, drugs are terrible. But then when it came to alcohol, mm-hmm. which is like, very terrible. Mm-hmm. They were like, oh yeah, like if you're going to have a few drinks with your friends, like pre, you know, being legal, mm-hmm. they're like, it's fine. Just like never get in a car. Always yeah. call us. Yeah. So there was this like, not permission yeah. to like go and get drunk, but there was this, uh, they were very Like an understanding. Drunk. It wasn't yeah. forbidden. And so then I never abused it. Yeah. As a young person at parties, like, yeah. I, I never got drunk. Yeah. Because I was like, oh, it's actually, I'm, there's nothing to rebel against here. Totally. Right? And so I think that that's a big component. And even just with society at large, the more we know, the more we understand and can come to embrace, like, that it's a product, it can help us. Yeah. And we have this, like, ideas, the ideas behind it is, like, it's not just demonized or for dropouts or stoners or whatever. Yeah. Then people can realize, like, oh, yeah, okay, how can we use it safely if we choose to? Totally. Yeah, yeah. Totally. That's so good. Yeah. Were you into, um, just thinking about like what I read in high school yeah. and what kind of like piqued my interest? Like, did you read like Timothy Leary or Carlos Castaneda? Or no, it's funny. I uh, got into Timothy Leary a lot more with the whole uh, psychedelics renaissance, learned a lot more about him yeah. um, going into, oh my God, what's the big uh, guy, the bald guy who wrote the book um, on mushrooms? On mushrooms? Yep. Uh, big bald guy. He's the journalist, and he's written about food. Like Phil, uh, uh Stan Scott. No. Nope. Uh, uh, mushrooms. I don't know. We're gonna have to put this one. Show notes. Totally <laughs> show notes. Sorry, that was like total mind mind gap there. But anyways, that's how I came across Timothy Leary. But no, I didn't. I didn't really read a lot of like that kind of. Uh, what would you? Uh, not new age, like, but what like would you call that kind of literature? Like, uh, yeah. The po- the power of now was probably the the most um, liberal literature that okay, I well, yeah, I was exposed to. But that I think in combination with um, obviously cannabis experiences yeah. uh, was a very pivotal, poignant uh, literature time in my life. Yeah, like that it. was like early twenties though, working at Mountain Equipment Co-op. Uh, you guys know what MEC, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah so a lot of hippies, a lot of yeah, sure. those kind of works passed around in the locker room, and yeah, yeah. I would say that would be it. Yeah. Okay, before we get into the rapid fire and anything else that you want to touch on, um, let's say, you know, we're sitting down again and we'll sit down sooner than this, but let's yeah. say it's 2025, a few years have passed. Uh, what, what does the future of cannabis look like? I definitely think that CBD will be re-regulated as a natural health product. So we're going to see it in grocery stores. We're going to see it in, you know, the food drug mass channels, as you would call it. So any any place that you can buy food or supplements or topicals, you'll see CBD infused everything. Like I said, I think there's going to be some designer formulations out there in the future. So just like you can get vitamins pre-formulated for your specific needs now, you'll get cannabis pre-formulated for your specific needs. Um, and I think we will see a, a liberalization and destigmatization in athletics. So whether it's um, professional sports associations that are allowing it, whether it's um, you know not drug testing uh, certain disciplines of sport per se, or just more recreational consumption, like a run club of people who like to get elevated. So I think that normalization in these um, less normalized contexts will happen. And I think that's just also my like my personal hope and passion that yeah. they'll they'll be those opportunities in the future. Remember, remember, uh, Ross Rebagliati? 
Oh yes. Yeah, we're still worried. We're still worried. There's like the scandal. Adam Toke. Where yeah, he did, or, where he was around people who were like smoking it yeah. secondhand or whatever the story was. But like that was such a scandal. Yeah. On one yeah. hand, it was like the joke. Of course, yeah. like, the snowboarders like high or whatever. But now it's like, oh yeah, maybe we're getting to the point where it wouldn't even be an yeah. issue, right? Now Martha Stewart has a cannabis brand, right? <laughs> like who would have thought? Totally. Right? And like Ross Bagley, I think in Whistler there's like yeah. a park named after him and like he's an icon. Yeah. But yeah. in that moment, like it's a huge scandal. Yeah. This Olympic yeah. athlete, like disgrace. Michael Pollan. Oh, Michael yeah. Pollan. How to Change Your Mind. It's about I have, psychedelics. I, his, uh, I had to. I was like, we're not going to end this podcast with me having left that out there. So Michael Pollan. I was like thinking of like, like <laughs> he's bald. He's a journalist. Have you read his book? I haven't. Yeah. read I've read all his other books. Yeah. Like, on the worst dilemma. I um, listened to it as an audio book, which I would highly recommend. Is it an audio book? I've just started. Yeah, because he narrates books. it too, right? Oh, so, that's the best. Yeah. 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 I feel like I'll be influenced by that. Yeah, you will. Danger. <laughs> um, okay, I'm going to throw out some rapid fires. Dean, jump in when you want. Yep. If there's things that you want to talk on that we haven't, uh, you know, t- uh, talked about yet, feel free to... Love it. Throw your own rapid Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Emma. Um, conscious consumption. What does that mean for you? Taking an informed and intentional approach to what you put in and on your body. Nice. Yeah. Nice. I yeah. Like Food, body care, cannabis. Yeah. Five K or ten K. Right now, five K. Yeah. Nice. Right now. <laughs> uh, if you were to recommend a fiction book, um, you know, I always think like if you're gifting someone, you got them for your secret Santa. Yeah. Like, this is this is the book I give to people. What, what book is that for you? If they're open to um, science fiction, I would say. Uh, why I'm saying this is because it's probably my favorite fiction book. But it's science fiction. I'll put that caveat. That's not normally my genre. I love nonfiction, I will say. Okay. But did you ever read or have you ever read Ender's Game? I haven't. Oh, my gosh. I, it was have you heard of, of this, um, though? Ryan Holmes' newsletters is like his favorite, favorite book ever. Okay. So, so I'm like, anytime someone's like, this is my favorite book, I'm like... It's Ender's Game. I have it on my bookshelf, and I have not read it. It's and I love sci-fi. enthralling. Okay. It's so good. Okay, if you, and you love sci-fi, yeah, yeah. Okay. You're, you're reading and that. Game. <laughs> I just started reading Born to Run. Have you read that? Yes, yes, oh, yes. God. Yeah. What I talk about when I talk about running. Uh, you know that Mar- 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 Is that yeah, 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 yeah. That's a good one too. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, what about your favorite uh, nonfiction? Ooh. I read a lot of like businessy books. I'm gonna have to think about that one for a sec because I read a lot of like businessy books, which isn't a bad thing. Um, there's actually, I'll recommend this one. It's called Killing It. So for any female entrepreneurs out there, it's about basically just how to like not lose your head and your heart in the process of becoming an entrepreneur. So mm-hmm. I'd recommend that one. I love that. Yeah. Um, and you kind of answered this, but music or no music when you're music, music, totally. Nice, yeah. nice. Um, would you, um, rural or urban? Living or running? Uh, living. Now Urban. Yeah, after having grown up, grown up in the country, I feel I'm so drawn to the city. Having said that, the islands are calling. Nice. Ooh, so if you consider the islands rural, then maybe yeah, rural. Maybe Sluice, yeah. Sluice, <laughs> what do you call this? Is this right. is this city? Rurban. Rurban. Yeah, it's kind of like small little city village vibes. And then on the backside of our, if we run this way, we run into the village. We run that way, we run into the farm. Yeah. So you're kind of getting kind of a bit of both. All right. Bit everything out here. Um, okay, then you got first, first place you would go if we could travel tomorrow. Oh, visit my mama. Oh, yeah, in Calgary. She? In Calgary, yeah. We'll be able to drive there in the spring, hopefully, yeah. but yeah, we're not, not going on planes with 
maybe anytime soon. I don't know how you guys feel, but mm. yeah, yeah. What, what about like a bucket list travel place for for you recreationally? I've always wanted to go to Central America. Like Costa Rica, for some reason, has always called me. And despite snowboarding, skateboarding, all the board sports, I do not surf. So I need to go on a surf trip. I think. Okay. Yeah. Um, more fiber or more protein? Ooh. <laughs> I want to say more fiber just because I honestly don't think you could ever get too many vegetables, fruits and vegetables. So, yeah. I'm like Mr. Fiber. I'm like, you Because everyone, it's like such a common question in the juice truck. Like, what's got the most protein in it? Yeah. Oh, um, right. So yes. like, you're trying to destigmatize cannabis. I'm trying to be like, uh, the, I'm always just talking about. We need more fiber. Totally. Everyone gets enough protein. Yeah. yeah. No one's protein deficient. Yeah. yeah How about omega threes? Like, can you ask for something else? Yeah. yeah. Which one's the most EFAs? Tell me. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, do you morning, <laughs> morning person or night person? I was always a night owl until having kids, and then you're thrust into being a morning person, right? Yeah, so I've just know. adapted to figure out how to love it. <laughs> so then, time to that favorite favorite time of day to get a run in. Yeah, now mornings for sure, because the sunrise is 8 a.m. I do not do 6 a.m. pre-dawn runs. I'm not that person. So now that the sunrise is at a reasonable time, golden. You're going. <laughs> yeah. Okay, 10 out of 10 TV show. What's a 10 out of 10 for you? Oh, I really like binge-worthy. And just on Netflix, I just finished Ratchet, which wouldn't necessarily be like my go-to show. I don't like horror or gore, yeah. but there was so much more of a storyline to it than I thought. It's just the first one to mind. Um, <laughs> podcast that's on your, your regular... Ooh, I'll recommend a, a pot podcast, which is called How to Do the Pot. Okay. And it is more female-focused, but for anyone. And they're really small vignettes, like 5, 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. I like that. It's a good one. Yeah. Um, Anything else? I think that's covered. Uh, Pretty good. Oh, you mentioned that um, you can get a similar high from chocolate. Yeah, similar to the runner's high. So yeah. anyone listening who's like, this is all great, fine, good, but I'm not going to go running and I'm not going to consume cannabis, yeah. break open some good quality, dark, fair trade chocolate, yeah. you'll be fine. Nice. Same same route to anandamide. That's so, so good. Yeah. Chocolate, a little bit of cannabis and a run, and you're... Uh, off, this off this to the races, quite literally. Bomb proof, bomb proof coffee. Elixir, elixir, yeah. Run and then some dark chocolate. Yeah, like, and a little bit, a little bit of cannabis topical, and then a foam roll, right? Right. And yeah. then we're good. Amazing, amazing. <laughs> um, okay, so for those that um, I know you mentioned it earlier, but um, for those that uh, aren't familiar with your work, uh, where can where, where can we find you? Yeah. So Emma. Jane Andrews is my name.com. That's where I compile all the articles that I do. I do a lot of content for external sources, so I kind of aggregate everything there. So if you want to browse content on anything to do with infused products to pregnancy and postpartum, it's all there. And then Emma runs, like R U N S, I run Van. Emma runs Van on social. So definitely, if anyone has any questions about some of the more kind of nuanced or particular or individual topics and you want to reach out one to one, happy to field QA. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming and uh, spending some time with us today. Uh, we're definitely looking forward to having you back as a future guest. Love it. Um, and looking forward to trying out some of uh, your uh, running concoctions. And Love seeing, it. Uh, seeing where that leads to. And I'll yeah. see, see you guys on the trails or on yeah. the road. Yeah. yeah, and we're excited for you to move to Steve's. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no so totally. New run club in the town. All right. Love it. So good. Thanks, Emma. You guys are awesome. 
All right. Well, let us know what you thought. Let us know if there's more questions for Emma. And again, you can reach out to her on her social media, Instagram at Emma Runs Van to give her a follow and, and check her out. Um, maybe you've got some burning questions. <laughs> cannabis jokes. Here we go. Cannabis dad jokes. What a combo. <laughs> but yeah, as always, uh, if you could uh, subscribe and leave a review, that would be awesome. That'd help us out a lot. And wherever you are in the world today, we encourage you to get out there and do a little more good. Thanks for listening. Peace.